Good evening to everyone. We're so glad you're here tonight and we're excited about our service um, just being together and I know it's a little chilly out there but get ready because warmer weather's coming. So we're looking forward to that and uh, we're just uh, hoping that you're here with a heart ready to worship and I know we have a little bit of a new theme that we're starting out fresh tonight and I'd like for you to say that with me. Here am I Lord, send me. Can we just pray that? Here am I, Lord, send me. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, that truly is our prayer tonight, that you would take all of me, all of us, We pray that you would pour into our lives that which we need tonight. Both in the classroom and in the chapel, may you speak to us as only you can through your servants. And I pray that you would bless our time together here. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, we're in the midst of transition, as you know. Uh, Dr. Alan Like has now moved to the Dean of Online Education, and we have a new chaplain and a new worship band. And uh, wouldn't you like to thank Jonathan tonight and the worship band for leading us in worship? Thank you. They'll be leading us each uh, time we gather for chapel. And we're excited to have them uh, leading us, aren't we? Now, some of you have already met Reverend Cindy Lamb. Um, she's been with us, working with us since the 1st of February, but really, it really begins tonight with her sharing from the Lord and from the Word tonight to us. And I'd like to welcome Chaplain Cindy Lamb. Well, thank you so much for a nice warm welcome. You all have been so kind and gracious and I've really enjoyed getting to meet some new people here at NBC and getting to see some friends that I've known for a long time. The message that I'd like to share with you tonight is entitled, A Vision Checkup, Seeing with Eyes of Faith. And I really appreciate the music that you have picked out tonight. It ties in so beautifully with what I feel led to share with you. I've come to realize that we learn a great deal from children. How many of you would agree with that? <laughs> Have you noticed how transparent and trusting that they are? Well, the years with children go by so quickly, and before we know it, we're celebrating all the little accomplishments that they've made, such as counting, coloring, writing their name, being able to ride a bicycle without training wheels. Especially during those early childhood years, parents often hear their son or daughter say, look what I can do. And there's such celebration between the parent and the child. What happens to us in life's journey that takes that exuberant spirit of what we can do and turns it into somewhat of a lethargic spirit that speaks only of what we can't do? 
It's been said that success comes in cans, not can'ts. Do we as the people of God believe that we can or that we cannot? Do we miss the great blessings at the top of the mountain because we're so sure that we really cannot endure the climb? Do we wholeheartedly believe? Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Questions such as these are really not new ones. They've been around since biblical days. In Numbers chapter 13, Moses sent out 12 spies to explore the land of Canaan. At the end of 40 days, they returned from their trip. Well, out of those 12 men, 10 were whining, we can't, while two were proclaiming we can. Their names were Joshua and Caleb. Let's look at what the doubters had to say in verses 27 and 28. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. The can't attitude is speaking loud and clear. But in verse 30, Caleb's can-do attitude speaks up and says, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But more negative talk bellows out from verse 31, where the ten say, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. The chapter goes on to say that these doubters spread a bad report among the Israelites about the land they'd visited. Negativity spreads like a grass fire. They even went as far as to compare themselves to grasshoppers. Counselors today would say that they suffered from a very serious case of bad self-talk and low self-esteem. There was certainly no kumbaya in this camp. Rather, they were probably singing a song of gloom and despair and were in a tug of war with Joshua and Caleb. The Israelites' vision was blinded by doubts. Do you ever find yourself singing a song of despair or rehearsing to God why you can't do one thing or another? Perhaps you tell God, I'm just not outgoing enough to invite that unsaved neighbor to church. If only more of us would radically trust and obey God and stop giving him a list of can'ts. At times, we treat the maker of heaven and earth as if he lost all his power that first Sabbath day when he rested from his work. Our human reasoning and excuses are never a match for faith and trust in God. Well, Caleb was not about to sing a depressing song. He knew he was in the minority, but he also knew that his God was a winner, not a loser. So often, we live our lives in fear. Christians sometimes major in fear and minor in faith. Like the ten doubters, we know that there's good that God has for us, but we've allowed fear to permeate and paralyze the mind, body, and soul. The outcome, our faith, is crippled. Oh, that we would rise up, stand firm, and become a Caleb for the Lord, and not allow the doubters around us to steal our enthusiasm for the ministry work that God has called us to do. People with great spiritual 
vision do not allow doubters or even their own personal doubts to blind their godly spiritual eyesight. The story continues with a rebellion of the doubting Israelites, but rest assured, God has not forgotten his servant Caleb. Although God declares that those who have been disobedient will not even see the land that was intended for them, he says this about Caleb in Numbers 14:24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Don't you love how God recognizes the heart and soul of a man, woman, or a child that's wholeheartedly devoted to him? Amen. The mind of God never forgets a heart of faithfulness. And he offers his divine help to us. Second Chronicles 16.9 reminds us, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Fast forward with me to 45 years later, where we go to Joshua 14.9. Caleb is now 85 years old. He's in conversation with his dear friend Joshua. He reminds Joshua of the day that Moses said, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now you and I might consider Caleb to be a senior adult at this point, but Caleb's mind was still alert and his body and soul ready to take on a challenge for the Lord. He remembered with faith the promise that had been made to him for possessing the land. We too must choose to remember the promises of God and not allow the circumstances or others' lack of faith to deter us from actively living by faith. Our age, bank account, social status, nor education should ever stand in the way of us sitting at the feet of our Lord and being willing to say, here I am, your servant is listening, or standing before the Lord and saying, here am I, Lord, send me. People with great spiritual vision see God at work when others do not. Well, the 85-year-old Caleb speaks to Joshua in Joshua 14, 11 through 13 and says, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. It's important for us to remember the key words of Caleb here where he says, but the Lord helping me. How many times do we move and press ahead without asking God for his instruction, for his help and his power? We live in a world of self-will, self-made, self-sufficient, self-defense, self-indulgence, self-help, self-seeking and self-pity. Make no mistake about it. Caleb knew he would not be a conqueror and win any battle without having the presence and power of God at his side. So what is this key to having the presence and power of God in our everyday lives? What would Caleb say to us as we face our current economy and all the bad reports around us? 
What kept Caleb from having a doubter's vision throughout those 45 years of waiting for the land that he'd been promised? I can tell you it had nothing to do with self-will or self-help. It is called having intimacy with God, not a mere acquaintance with Him. When our relationship with God is heart healthy, our heartbeat begins to beat like His. We love what He loves and we hate what He hates. And we no longer demand our own way and groan and moan and fall and fail in defeat. Our will yields to His will. We no longer fight the idea of surrender. We long to surrender. We celebrate that He's the one that equips us to have the victorious life just as Caleb lived. May I ask you if you've bought into the lies that others are selling. Are you tired of hanging around doubters who only focus on problems and seem not to see the problem-solving God of the universe at work? It's been said, problems are over our head, but under God's feet. How true this is. People with great spiritual vision let God do the leading, and they do the following. Like Caleb, stop listening to people who only have a bad report to share. Don't turn back from possessing all that God has for you. Is he calling you to be a Caleb for such a time as this? If God can use and equip Caleb at age 85 to do a new thing, don't you think he can do the same for you and me? Amen. Don't ever turn away from your calling on your life, even if and when things become unstable around you. Allow me to share from a personal experience. I grew up in a Christian home and accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior as a young child. My calling into ministry occurred shortly after that spiritual decision. Little did I know that later in my adult life, there would be a journey of deep loss and pain. It included my former husband and me experiencing the death of our firstborn infant son, a seven-year illness for me requiring me to undergo seven surgeries, and then after 10 years of marriage, hearing my husband say that he wanted out of the marriage. I would now be placed in that category called divorce. Do you think that I ever had my moments of doubting whether God would ever be able to use someone like me? You can be sure that I did. But I will tell you that death, disease, and divorce are not what's important. The most important news that I have to share with you is that I can stand as a minister of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ only because of a holy, loving, gracious, forgiving, faithful God who specializes in repairing and restoring broken lives. Amen. Praise be to God. I can testify that he has performed an Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 in my life. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Perhaps you sincerely have some doubts that you're struggling with. 
I want to encourage you to use the tools that God has given to us. Let me quickly mention three. I cannot state strongly enough to you how vital it is to be a person who is reading God's Word daily, is a praying person daily, and is part of a local church weekly. These spiritual lifelines will help you to grow in your deep heart so that you'll love God more than you could ever thought possible. You'll have power to see and live above and beyond the doubts, and you'll have a family of believers who are there to love and support you and help you grow. Also, let us wrap our loving arms around you here at NBC. Let us be your prayer partners. Let us be your spiritual cheerleaders. In closing, I invite you to ask God to give you eyes of great faith, greater than ever before. God wants us to have his kind of vision, and he wants us to see with eyes of faith, just like Caleb did. Say to him, in your own heart, here am I, Lord, send me. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Father, we celebrate you. We celebrate that you are a problem-solving God, that you are greater than any doubt that the enemy would toss our way. And Lord, we thank you that you are victorious. And because of being a part of your family, we too are able to be victorious. Lord God, I don't know the doubts that might be in this room. I don't know the way the enemy may have come in and tried to discourage. But God, tonight we collectively in our hearts tell you we believe in a God who is able to do the miraculous. And God, we thank you for that. And Lord, I just ask that instead of living in our small little worlds, that we would say to you boldly, enlarge our territory. Lord, help us to be your light every day that we live. Give us that power that we would be conquerors in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would wear garments and robes of praise. Use us, O oh God, and forgive us for those times when we dwindle and we retreat. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the story of the scripture, Lord, that reminds us we don't have to listen to doubters. We want to listen to the divine. We love you, Lord Jesus. We honor your name, and I pray your blessing over these people here tonight. I pray for your anointing in a very fresh way upon each and every one. In Jesus' holy name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.